that's my terrible like ghost intro kind of thing. Welcome to the Small Button Podcast with me, Hannah. And me, Finn. And today's episode is going to be a bit more of a spooky episode. Oh my god, it's like, what could be in it? Ah, oh, it could be a present, it could be a severed head, you never know, you these things. Yes, and it's likely to be saying very pleasant. Woo. Woo, yeah, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Please hire us Hollywood as voice actors, because obviously we are amazing at voice I, acting. I am very talented. <laughs> as you can probably guess from today's subject, we are going to be talking about horror games. Talking about horror and Halloween-adjacent video games. Ooh, and probably some horror-themed levels as well, just to spice things up a bit. Yes, we're talking about everything spooky and creepy and Halloween-y, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you remember your first horror game? Um, this is a good question. Um, I kind of played for horror games a little bit later. So when you talk about retro horror games, um, I was very young in the nineties, so I didn't play many horror games. Um, I think probably the her- the earliest horror themed game that I remember playing was, I think it was on the PS One or the N N6- or the N sixty four. I think my friend had it. It was a game called Forty Winks. Are you familiar? Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with that. It's a uh, platformer. It is a platformer, so you play as either, um, I think you play as two siblings, um, a boy or a girl, depending on, the, depending on the level, and you're basically, it's a platformer, you have to get to the end of the level, um, collecting winks, which were kind of like, I think in the storyline it was like, they'd fallen asleep and they had to wake themselves up or something, or alternatively they were awake and they're trying to make sure they fall asleep or something like that. But they have to go through all this like, nightmarish, kind of like spooky land to get through, to get to the end basically. And... If you look at it now, it's very basic. It's not scary in the slightest. It's Halloween adjacent, I would say. But back when I was a kid, it was quite spooky. Like you would feel quite tense, like playing some of the levels. Um, I remember the very. I remember I played it. It wasn't my game, obviously, so I didn't own it. But I played it a lot when I was at my friend's house. So I remember there was this is before saves as well. So you had to play it from the beginning each time. So I remember playing the first level and being it being amazing because it was set in like a house. It was set in your house basically, um, and then the second level it was set in like a nightmarish like village kind of thing, like a witch's village. And your only weapon because you're obviously like a little kid, your only weapon was a teddy bear, I think. Yeah, I think it's a teddy bear. So if you wanted to attack anything, you had to whack your teddy bear with it or whack it with your teddy bear. Sorry. And I just remember it, looking back on it, I've got so much like fond memories. And it's quite warm and. Uh, fuzzy for a horror adjacent game, but I wouldn't say it was a horror game. I don't think it sets out of its way to scare someone. It's more kind of the themes. I get what you mean. It's just sort of that. That's more like a I don't know, like a uh, ghost house kind of feel to it. Yeah, like, like you know, like uh, when kids are like younger and they're telling ghost stories on a campfire, that sort of yeah. feel. No, I get you. I think there's a there's a Muppets game for PS One that's kind of like that. I think I remember this vaguely. Yeah, I think I remember a demo of this game, like a Muppets Ooh. horror game kind of thing, or Muppets yeah, Haunted House or something like that. No, I can't think what it's called. Um, oh, you, you play as I think it's Kermit's nephew. Yeah, and it, it's very much a um, Spyro Crash Bandicoot sort of. Um, I don't want to say a knockoff, but inspired. It's a um, Spyro in Muppets clothing. Yes, pretty much, and. Um, I think it's like something like Muppets Monster Madness or something along those lines. Um, I it could sounds be wrong. familiar. It does sound familiar. But, um, I seem to remember it being quite a fun platformer. So that's more like a sort of adjacent sort of like horror themes to it. Um, but in terms of like, I can't remember like directly what the first horror horror game I would have played because um, yeah, like like yourself, I 
was a bit too young at the time to be playing Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just the Nightmare Creatures demo was my first um, experience with a horror game. Now, I never played Nightmare Creatures. I never even know it existed until I was in... I think I might have been in my mid-twenties when I found out it existed because my friends were playing it. And um, I watched them play the, the first level and stuff like that. And graphically, looking back on it now, it's very boxy. It's very of the era. But the, the moment where the first monster jumps out at you... I was. I won't spoil how it happens. It's still quite shocking. Like, like if I was a younger, if I was younger, I was like that would have got me. That would have like made me jump out of my skin. I mean, the demo used to spook me, but um, I don't. Know, I think the low poly graphics really add to it, to be honest, because it's difficult to distinguish exactly where everything is, and you've got the really low draw distance, so you can barely see what's ahead of you. Although in terms of playable characters, um, you basically have a choice between like man for stick. <laughs> or woman who I think actually has a katana, so it's like it's always going to be the woman. Mm-hmm. Why um, would the man go into a obviously haunted village with just a stick to arm himself it's, with? It's a big stick. Oh, a big stick! Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's a big stick. Yeah, get it right. <laughs> the big stick, which adds plus one to any damage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I do have the full game nowadays, and I have played it. Um, Route. It's um, got that nice sort of gothic feel to it. Oh, definitely. It's kind of like that gothic kind of... I think it might be a Victorian setting as well. I was going to say, Victorian kind of like Edwardian kind of feel about yeah. it. I think I've only completed it with cheats, so I can't remember why. I might have just been messing with it. I think it might have been like, if you were at an age where you're like, you can't play, you can't complete the game as it is. It's like, I'll just put cheats on it and just like, I can experience the game without having to have the difficulty of having to complete this, going through the difficulty spikes and stuff like that. Yeah, I think so. And it's, um, I, I think it was at the time when like, I was exploring like cheats on the internet. Ah, uh, I remember having cheat books, because I'm that old, um, that used I, to come in gaming magazines. I have those. <laughs> They're right next to me. I, I think I, I have... had one for like, I had one for GTA, because there was always one for GTA. Yep. And I had one for, I think I had one for like a game I haven't even played. I think it was like Doom. I, like, I didn't even play Doom, but I had a cheat book for Doom, for Doom even. I have two little, I have two encyclopedia things of cheat books. Like it's just like um, the big like encyclopedias that are just full of cheats. Awesome, nice. <laughs> They're quite fun. I, I got them in a, uh, I think I got them in one of those like old bookstores. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so so we're going from horror to spooky uh, cheat books because nothing's scarier than breaking your game. Nothing's scarier than breaking the law in a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the turn of the game world, you're technically breaking the laws of physics. True, you're becoming somewhat of a god and a pariah uh, when you use the cheats in a video game. Yes, <laughs> but of course, um, later on, like uh, going from like nightmare creatures, I would explore like the sort of um, more well-known horror games, like the classics like Silent Hill and Resident Evil. I've become quite a Resident Evil fan actually since. I would say, like when it comes to the big hitters, everyone thinks about Resident Evil, Silent Hill. I don't think I played those. I don't think I have played those actually myself. My I've had friends oh, oh. and I've had family that have played those games. I think I played a little bit of Resident Evil Village VR, which was a trip. But uh, I don't think I've played that many Resident Evil games. Oh, I do tell Eliza I did play Resident Evil Five, but that was when I was younger, not so much when I was a kid, but when I was like tw- mid twenties. I played Resident Evil Five, which is the is it, uh, that's the one that was set in Africa. I had all the controversy. Um, or the most controversial, most controversy of any Resi game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I am shaking my head quite hard at that. Yeah. It's like, you haven't played many of the Resident Evils, and the one you did play was five. How hey, that? that wasn't my choice. My friend had it, so I had to play the game. I had to play as is it Shiva? It was playing. Uh, it's it's like, not even scary. 
It's not it's an action I, game. It's horror themed, but like it's like it's a zombie, but it's like it's the loosest to, but it's the loosest horror theme you can think of by this. Oh dear. Oh well. I'm sorry, Internet, okay, I'm sorry. That's the only no, game I, I've I, played. If you live closer, I'd be forcing you down, but like that scene in uh, <laughs> Clockwork Orange with like, your eyes being kept open. Right, this is Resident I'm Evil 1. You need to experience a Jill sandwich from how it was first explained, how it was first told, and I will yes. not leave until you do. <sighs> Unbelievable! <laughs> I've got to play the correct version. <laughs> I think I've, uh, so I've, I've played a little bit. Of, well, I played five. I've watched my husband play the remakes of uh, two. Um, okay, well that's and something. Three. So it's like not like a complete version when it comes to Resident Evil, but like I've only really played five. Okay, I'll say with Resident Evil One, the scariest thing is the voice acting. It's um, it's comically bad, but it's so endearing. I think the the first scene when you see the first zombie does like slow turn round at you. I think back in the day that first be like really scary, but now you look back and I'm like, this is the worst zombie I've ever seen in my entire life. It just looks like another NPC they smeared blood over. But, yeah. I think my problem with the zombies is that when they attack you in the first game, um, I can't think what instrument it sounds like, but they make a sort of like, it's like a low um, percussion sort of sound. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all I can think of as like, oh, yeah, this is a jazzy attack. <laughs> like every gun has got like a little like taser on it. So it's like a taser. It's getting, I mean, it's just yeah. when they bite your neck, it has like this sound effect that just sounds like a, um, I can't pinpoint what instrument it is, but it definitely sounds like more of a musical note to me. <laughs> um and I always laugh at this one bit where like a zombie comes and attacks your um, foot and then Jill just boots its head. Like, uh, no, get just off. Just launches it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the thing I like with the Resident Evil games is, um, or at least the the older ones anyway, they're um, also kind of got a lot of puzzle elements. So even if you're not yeah. playing, you can get involved because you can help um, solve the puzzles. Yeah. While fighting with tank controls. I remember the remake of Resident Evil 2, the very first puzzle is trying to get out of the police station and finding all the, the medallions to put into the staircase. Yeah, you got to wonder how these places would function normally. Yeah. Like, like, imagine like, just if, working there. Imagine being a janitor at that poli- at Raccoon City police station and wanting to, like, I don't know, empty the bins outside and having to find all these individual metals. That's <laughs> what you can do it. And then just... <laughs> And then I have to wait for the staircase to open to then leave. Oh yeah, it's like about even just like going to use the bathroom. It's like oh, I've got to go to the crow room. That's you know solve the paint puzzle in that and put things in good order. The, I have to pick the pick up the club key to then use the diamond lock to then yep. um, unlock the the lid of the toilet. But then I can't use the flush on the toilet until I've collected all three uh, rings and <laughs> brought them back to whatever. He's like, it's like, no yeah. wonder why zombie apocalypse happened. No one could escape. <laughs> but uh, yeah, of course, the other heavy hitter is um, Silent Hill, mm-hmm. which um, a fun fact that absolutely everyone knows. But I'm going to repeat it just in case. You have to tick that box off on the podcast. I'll tick, yeah. tick this box off. Um, reason for its iconic fog is because of the PS1's low draw distance. Obvious fact of the week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it, its limitation became its most iconic feature. And I remember when they did, when they remade it, they kind of, did they lessen the fog or they couldn't get the fog prop, properly right. So people were like commenting on how the visuals were on the remake because of like yeah because you up the fog animation yeah, that, so people could see things loading in. Yeah, that was uh, Silent Hill two that they did a HD port of and they removed that was the it. fog. 
That was it. They uh, removed the fog, and everyone was like, well, now, because I can see things popping in and out. And it's like, well, yeah, that, because the fog was hiding it. Well, it's also like, where to go, guys? Remove the uh, one of the main things that Re- Silent Hill was known for. Not Resident Evil. Um, <laughs> uh, the remake's uh, pretty bad anyway. Uh, the first game's never been remade, um, because they lost the source code. Hurrah. Oh, yay! That's always fun. Great, well done there. I remember but, there's a lot of like fan theories and stuff like that that became canon about the main character in Silent Hill as well, about his relationship to his wife in the uh, in the games. No, um, they have, have really good lore. It has so much good lore. It really does. I think one of the one of the fan theories that ended up becoming canon was that he killed his wife and put it in the trunk of the car at the beginning of the game. And then the whole story is like him trying to find his wife. The wife is actually in the boot of the car at the beginning of the game. Or something like that. I don't know. Yes, it's... Uh, well, Silent Hill 2, it, um, it changes Silent Hill to be um, in a reflection of um, someone's own guilt. So yeah. uh, the main character, James, is obviously feeling guilt over having killed his terminally ill wife. Yeah. Um, hence receiving that supposed letter from her. And I think the whole game is essentially him coming to terms with what's happened. And depending on how you play as a player, it determines your ending. Yeah, I, I remember that the Silent Hill has a notorious, notori- notoriety, that's what I'm looking for, of having multiple different endings. And then some fake endings as well. Well, there's a joke ending with the dogs. There's a joke ending with the dogs. There's a joke ending with yeah. aliens. Um, they like throwing things in like that. <laughs> Yeah, luckily you do have to go quite out of your way to get those two, so you're unlikely to unlock that on your first playthrough. Yeah, they they I'll hide them away <laughs> for a reason. Yeah, well, um, Silent Hill One is more like the town is a cult town. Yeah, and they were trying to summon like a particular um, god through this young woman. Um, actually, no, young girl. Sorry, who they tried to it attempted to use as a host, but it kind of went a bit wrong. I'm really surprised in the plot here. But uh, it's interesting because with like Silent Hill One, I prefer Silent Hill One's gameplay. Yeah. And I think again the low poly graphics really add to its atmosphere, and its stilted acting gives it the sort of uncanny valley feel to it. The stilted acting yeah. makes it feel like a Hollywood B movie, like where everything's like a little bit kind of thrown together. Yeah, a little bit off. Like, yeah. No one talks like that really, uh, which really adds to its atmosphere. Well, Silent Hill Two, I think, has the best story. Like easily one of my best sort of like horror themes. Well, horror game stories. Oh, yeah, no, I've, I've heard a lot about how certain parts of Planet Hill 2 are kind of like an allegory for, like, how James is, like, sexually frustrated, so then some of yes. the enemies are based on that, or, like, expressions of that, so that sort of thing. I think that's a big yeah, thing that's mentioned about Silent Hill 2. It's really interesting, and also, like, to be honest, so, um, it's such a famous game that um, it has been, I'm going to say, Lord Death, as in, yeah. like, fans have, like, picked apart every single little individual inch of that game. There's a reason why they're the big hitters, is that they're the ones that have the most lore, and the ones that are the fan base are just, like, so devoted to it, and they just appreciate the everything, every time it comes out, that sort of thing, is like, they appreciate it because of the lore and the time it's spent in that area. It'd be hard to find anything new that you didn't know about it already because of how much fans have like taken it apart which is obviously like yeah. shows how good it is that that's happened but um, I don't know it's kind of funny in a way it's funny because like when you see like on YouTube you go into like top 10 facts about video games and then one of them is always about Silent Hill and it's always about either the fog distance or about James's wife there's literally there's like the only ones they ever feature <laughs> which is why I'm going to take the opportunity to go into more obscurity go ahead Actually, a good start to start with Obscure is literally the game called Obscure, which is an obscure horror game, so its name is quite accurate. It is very accurate. I've never heard of it. Please do divulge. Okay, so Obscure is a PS1 horror game, which is a bit like, um, have you ever seen that film, The Faculty? No. Ah, okay. (laughs) People who have seen The Faculty, Obscure is kind of like a video game version of that. It's a high school setting, you play as teenagers, 
there's um I don't know, I think it's like an alien invasion thing that's taken over the school. Okay. Yep. As you it. do, yeah. As you do, yes. Um, I mean, the, I think the, pr- the opening prologue has you play as a character that gets killed off. Then the other characters yeah. are sort of investigating what happened to that character. So in the in the like first draft of that script, it would be like that character would be called dead before opening credits. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and, like the the other like sort of like it's definitely like your typical teenage horror B movie sort of vibes. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like it's kind of like the slasher movies kind of thing, but I like, set in a yes. high school that sort of thing. Yeah, slasher movie alien vibes to it. Um, it's pretty cool, and there's also permadeath. So you play as multiple characters. Oh yeah, so it, if obviously one person dies, then you have to go with somebody else for the rest of the game. Kind of thing, you can't bring them back, that sort of thing. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's the um, that's how it works with that game. Although, if you're a bit like me, you would just load your last save. Yeah, <laughs> scrubs, uh, scrub saving is the way forward. I play a lot of XCOM, and that's definitely how I get through the game. I'm not ashamed to say it, but I went through the game, completed it, but I only completed it by scrub saving, because that game is unforgiving in some parts. Yeah, and they do give you enough, like, you find CDs to save with. Yeah. So you're never short of um, being able to save. Another unique feature, though, is it's also two-player. Or can be two-player. So you can bring someone along for the ride as well. Yeah, you can bring your mate in to um, play as another teenager. That sounds really weird. <laughs> I mean, no, but... <laughs> they're, they're probably like teenage stereotypes as well. I think that's probably, yeah, part of the thing is, like, because they're teenagers and they're set in a high school, is like, I'm pretty sure it, it, they're, they're going to have, like, a lot of characters in supply. So that if you can have a multiplayer character, you can have a multiplayer setting. Sorry, um, yeah, because there'll be multiple. You just got to be able to work together. Exactly, because you can. I think you can pass each other items and uh, things like that. So you know, I'm gonna say like, if you want to have a Resi clone with a with a friend, I would go for Obscure, but it's a little bit harder to find nowadays. Would you say it was obscure to find? It is obscure <laughs> to find. Oh, and um, I don't think a port is likely because. Um, one of the things that advertised on the box is like, wow, it's got a song from Sum 41 on it. Oh, right, okay. That dates it massively. But I like it, Sum 41, but so It dates it hugely. It's like, oh, wow, Sum 41. Yeah, it's so hip. It's so hip. I mean, I'm not trashing uh, Sum 41 because that's No, no, great, I'm not either on the record. It just really dates the game. It makes it very, like, late 90s, early noughties. It's so 2000s. <laughs> it plays in the opening credits. I love it. I love it already. I love it already. Yeah, it's uh, if you can track it down, it's worth playing. It's um, it, it, I don't know why the Sun Forty One thing gives me too much amusement. Um, I mean, if they did port it, they could easily just replace the the track with something else. Cause to my knowledge, it's only in the intro. Oh yeah, yeah, it will be a licensing issue. Would be quite easy to replace, wouldn't it? No. Yeah, I think so. Also, on a side note, the school there uh, is really dingy. I know it's a horror game, but um, God, someone needs a touch up at that school. And they've obviously <laughs> fired all janitors and anyone that can uh, knows how to clean up after themselves. But it's filthy. I mean, like I know high school's not known for the hygiene, but the, the, the school in Obscure is like, I don't know, no wonder why we've got an alien invasion going on here. <laughs> He's like, oh, the aliens are coming. Uh, should we roll out the red carpet and clean everything? Nah, let's let them come. Like, yes, yeah, the school's wrecked anyway. Just let them... Um, them do they want. If they wreck it more, they'll be improving it, so let's go. Pretty much. But um, other obscure games I have are, um, like, I guess sticking with PS2, I also have a X-Files game, which is a Resident Evil clone. Go on. Obviously, I'm familiar with the CV show, but go on. Yeah, I can't think of the, the X-Files games. There's quite a few X-Files games, but I, I think there's only, like, one on PS2, so it shouldn't be too hard for people to find. Yeah. But um, it's funny, they obviously were making good use of the license, because every time you pause, it's the X-Files theme. 
which is I, I bet the first time, you, first couple of times you hear it's like, oh my god, this is great, this is really amusing. And then the eighteen thousandth time you've heard it, I'm like, oh my god, kill me now. <laughs> it's just it's it's kind of loud and obnoxious when he pauses to like use an item in the menu. It's like, dun dun dun. But yes, I get it. You have the license. But yes, we get it. Right? Yeah, don't bash yourself the head over it with it. And um, I'm trying to think, what's the the male actor called? Uh, uh Scully. No. Scully. Yeah, it's Scully. Yeah. Scully and Mulder, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, his the actor. The actor's David David Copney. Yeah, David Cockney. Yeah, he is so bored in the. <laughs> <laughs> Why is, is it? Why is it? Whenever they hire like a big Hollywood actor who's supposed to know how to act and to do a video game voice acting thing, they act like they they act like all of their friends have died. It's like they don't have to show any emotion. It's always one note. It's always monotone. Yep. It's just like he is bored out of his mind. <laughs> it's just like oh come on, try acting a little bit. It reminds me of like the often memes uh, Peter Dinklage in uh, Destiny. He's like, that came from the moon. And I was like, oh my god, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think anyone's going to be playing the X-Files game for its uh, stellar acting. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it does feel fitting with the show, at least in its... Um, in the plot. In the plot, yeah. The, the plot itself is fine. It's, um, try, I'm trying to remember. it's been a while since I've played that particular one, but... Um, I think they go to this sort of village area and there's something strange afoot and it, it was sort of like... I guess it it's more off classic. from there. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I guess it's a classic. It's kind of a mix of like your classic um, horror setting of like going to a remote location there's something being wrong with the locals. But it has the X-Files like feel about it. It's very kind of like Wickerman meets uh, the X-Files kind of thing. Kind of actually, yeah. It's... Um, it's probably not like, like the best Resi kind of play, but there is a certain charm to it, particularly if you do like the show. Does it play a little bit like CSI, but like um, a horror version of it? I think. I haven't played CSI. Well, like, obviously the TV show is obviously very kind of like a police procedural kind of thing, and X Files is kind of like they tried to mix like police procedural with like supernatural storylines kind of thing. It falls more in the that. supernatural line. Oh, okay, fair enough. That's fine. Yeah, that. The game falls more into the supernatural line, but a feature I do quite like in it is um, when you're in the room, there's like the little X-Files symbol in the bottom, if there's an item you need from that room. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Save the trouble of like making sure you've clicked on every single corner. It lets you know if you've already done what you need to do in that particular room. Oh, so you yeah. can sort of move on and use the item elsewhere. Oh yeah, so, like, yeah. It's good time save. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, I quite like that one. It said, I suggest for anyone who likes sort of Resi clones and X-Files, that might be a good one to seek out. Again, it's a, a little bit more on the rare side. Yeah, I think with these movie tie-in games, like, a lot of the at times it, it's, like, licensing issues that makes them rarer. Because, like, yeah, I it's not going like, to get re-release. Deadpool is the obvious one that, like, got cancelled because the licensing was expired. So that means that you can't buy a copy of Deadpool anywhere unless it's second-hand because of licensing. Yeah, licensing is always a huge issue. I'll tell you, a game that I think they should re-release, which I don't know who currently owns it, is uh, Rule of Rose. Or actually, a remake would probably be better for that one. Oh, yes, yeah. So, Rule of Rose has a really good narrative. Yeah. Really intriguing story. It's very sad. Um, it, I think it's essentially a character go- like processing trauma. Oh, yes, yeah. It takes place amongst like sort of a, an airship and an orphanage um, sort of setting, but I think it's all in the character's mind. I don't think it's literally happening, but it's... Um, Kind it's a psychological kind of a, thriller, I think. Yeah, that psychological, um, the cruelty of children. All those happy um, themes for a horror game. Yeah, so I, I think it met quite a lot of controversy because of the themes it has around 
you know, children being harmed. Yeah, of course. And Although I think the moral panic was probably a bit blown out of proportion. It's not doing it without reason. Uh, yeah, of course. I think every video game has experienced some kind of moral panic, I think. Um, that's obviously a story, that's probably a story for another day. Uh, a story for another yeah, podcast, I've, maybe. Another podcast, I think, for that one. But yeah. But, um, unfortunately, Rule of Rose is it's, it's a bit of a diamond in the rough, so unfortunately I haven't got a chance to actually play it for myself. I've only got to witness it online. Because yeah. the game is very, very, very rare, and I don't really have five hundred plus pounds to uh, buy it. Yeah, it's like most modern, modern games are like sixty, seventy quid now. So, like, unless you really, 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 really wanted the game, I wouldn't spend any more than that for a new game or for an old game, even. Yeah, it's um, it's a few hundred pounds. It's difficult to locate. If you know, that's if you can find it as well. Yeah. And you're going to be playing something from, um, as I said, from just like I'm going off reviews here and like other people's experiences, so can't vouch for it myself. But apparently the gameplay is quite rough. As in, like, it's like quite. A bit clunky. Bit, bit janky, that sort of thing. Yeah, very janky. Uh, but this narrative really, like, sort of like carries it. Was that the thing that Clive like, said carried it for you to tell it? Um, but yeah. It's uh, actually worth watching a Let's Play of it. I think if you can find someone that's done it, then yeah, definitely seek out a Let's Play. Oh, of people that. have done a Let's Play online. Like, I think Rule of Rose is worth um, watching, particularly if you like that sort of narrative horror thing that's like not afraid to go into the more dark elements. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yet still be strangely intriguing, and um, I guess maybe beautiful's not quite the right word for it. There is something, I don't know, there's a certain charm, not charm. It's really difficult to find the right word for it, because you don't want to say, like, uh, cruelty of children. That's a real charming thing. No, it's... It's like it has its it's has its own merits, um, despite the subject matter that it does. It kind of handles the subject matter in its own way. Yeah, beautifully dark in a sense. Yeah. I was going to say, the next question was going to be, like, what was the first horror game that made you not be able to sleep at night directly afterwards? Like, That's had it, what, what horror game or Halloween-adjacent game made you um, stay up at night afterwards for a good couple of nights? I'm not sure about, like... I- I don't get scared too easily. I mean, granted, I... Um... I do! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> I was going to say, granted, I, I guess I do get scared of horror games because you're in control and like a horror movie. Mm. But in terms of like, actually actively giving me nightmares... Um... I have a few options. I have a few answers for you on this question. I, think, I can't think of anything that's directly giving me nightmares. More like I've um, obsessed over the symbolism. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's like um, Silent Hill 2, I definitely got a bit sort of like thinking about the symbolism of the game for ages, so yeah. I, I guess it's more of a, I take a more analytical approach to it, rather than uh, being scared. You take out what you can take out of uh, any game, that sort of thing. There is a, there was a Steam game that I remember playing ages and ages and ages ago. It wasn't my idea, it was one of my friend's ideas to play it, um, but it was based on a creepypasta where you basically, you're exploring this like house, and you're trying to escape okay. this house. But um, it goes by sound. So if you have a microphone plugged in or something like that, any sound will alert the monster to come after you, to try and chase you. Obviously, if you're trying to be very quiet and very stealthy, stuff like that, then it's very, very difficult. If you live with a dog that keeps barking every five seconds, it's incredibly difficult to do this game. But it's called... I forget if I've got the name wrong of it, but I think it's called Aoki, um, which is a creepypasta of... Michael Jackson chasing you around a house, which okay. sounds hilarious. It does sound hilarious, and it was hilarious. Um, but I remember recording this video for like a YouTube video or something like that, and uh, for days afterwards, 
I felt a little bit jumpy when I was going to bed because because of the atmosphere of that game being like in the middle of the night creeping around an old creepy house and in the middle of the night creeping around my house which is an old terraced house it's very 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 old I just felt really like unsettled and unnerved by it so like for a good couple of days afterwards I couldn't sleep it kind of stayed with me a little bit which is hilarious because it's a creepypasta it's supposed to do that but it was, it really kind of stuck with me and it was really, really like weird and stuff like that. I think also because I recorded it as well, I was like, I couldn't escape that kind of video because it's on my PC. You had to play it. I had to play it, yeah. But yeah, there are some, there are some clips of me freaking out to this game. So um, if people know uh, my previous channel, they can search it up themselves. But that game did stay with me afterwards, and I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. I, I actually did think of something while you were saying about that thing of like games give you nightmares. Mm-hmm. Have you ever played uh, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask? I've heard of it, yes, so I know what you mean. Okay, so in Majora's Mask, the moon is crashing. Oh, this is a very common one. This is a very common one. I've had friends that have exactly the same fear of this, but go on. Yes, the, the I mean, like okay, it's bad enough the moon's going to crash to, uh, I think it's the land of Termina? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, Termina. Yeah, it's like, it's bad enough that's going to crash in three days and kill everyone, but it, they gave it a bloody scary face. They did. They gave it a scary poop face, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was haunting my dreams for ages after I played it. So it's like, <laughs> it's my favourite Zelda game. Yeah, but whenever I play it, I always dream about that bloody moon just staring at me, coming towards me. God, it's, sort of like, it's so I horrific. Need to not play it at night. It's horrific moon. I mean, it's part. Of, it's supposed to be horrific, obviously, because of the setting. But like, it's the most unnerving and like over, like. The expression on it is like so kind of like overexerted. It's like it's so creepy. Mm. Yeah, I mean you can't get away with it unless you're in a dungeon because wherever you are and outside, you can see the moon and it's creeping closer and closer and closer to you. Yeah. So I, I do like Majora's Mask, though. It's um, I'd say if, like out of all the Zelda games, it's definitely got the most melancholy, I guess, slightly horror adjacent feel to it. I like all the fan theories and stuff like that about Majora's Mask basically being like the five stages of uh, grief. Or so five, five stages of grief, yeah. Yeah, and obviously the moon bit being denial because everyone in the town just completely ignoring the fact that the moon is going to crush them in like minutes. But like they're yeah. acting like it's normal. So it's funny, even if the moon was like at its normal distance, it still has a scary face. I couldn't imagine how nice romantic <laughs> evening in Terminal and be like, oh, look at the moon, honey. Look at the moon. And it's like, yeah. Drew that face as it's coming down, like, nope, nope, I'm gonna go inside. Yeah, you know, bugger the moon. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's go inside. Let's, like, yeah, no, let's put the light let's on. Let's nope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna nope away from Terminal and move on to um, a horror game I was playing the other day, which is one of my rarer, well, I'll say rarer. Actually, no, no, it's one of my rarer Resi clones. Um, Chaos Break, the PS1. Okay, yeah. So, Chaos Break only came out in Japan and Power Regions, and I think it was quite a late PS1 release, so it's it's quite rare. Yeah. It's um, the only thing I know about it is it's based on, or it's meant to be an episode from, as it puts it, um, an arcade game called Chaos Heat. Right. Which yeah. I only found out recently was called Chaos Heat. I've been misreading it as Chaos Heart. Which is a nicer name, actually. It sounds a bit great. Better. A bit great punk metal band. It's like welcome to the stage, Chaos Heart. Yeah. <laughs> He pointed out while playing it the other day, I was like, oh yeah, it's from uh, Chaos Heart. He's like, no, Hannah, that says Chaos Heat. Um, <laughs> never mind. I like but Chaos anyway, Heart more. Yeah, so I keep wanting to call it Chaos Heart, but no, Chaos Heat is an arcade game. I've never played Chaos Heat, but um, Chaos Break is sort of a, I'm going to say it's a spin-off of that um, yeah. arcade game. Notably trending in on the Resident Evil trend, because the main 
female character you can select is clearly a Jill Valentine knockoff. Oh, I yeah. sent you a photo for proof of this. I'm going to have a look at this said photo now. Yeah, so I think, um, is it Masuki? Oh, yeah, she said it earlier on, yes, I remember. It's definitely um, a, that's definitely a Jill Valentine uh, copy. It's clearly a Jill knockoff. She's got, um, I mean, the, I suppose it's quite cool. She's got, like, the guns on her arms. So she's got two fewers, because um, obviously we can't show you a picture of this. Mm-hmm. Um, attached to her arm, she has, like, these two sort of, like, big machine gun things, which looks cool. But uh, if you were to actually use it, it would just snap her arms off with recoil. Yeah, it would snap her arms off and she'd go in the opposite direction to where the bullets were going. Yeah, it wouldn't be off. any good. No, you wouldn't, no. The, her in-game character model, she's got some uh, long legs. She does. It's like she's wearing Jill's outfit, but she forgot to wear trousers. It's like it's that kind of like pathetic. Yeah, her uh, her acting isn't particularly right home about either. Everyone in that game just sounds bored, like a bit of a paycheck job. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So um, is it Matuki, uh, Masuki? Um, Masuki. Re- Masuki. Thank you. Yeah. The dyslexia is a pain. <laughs> so Masuki's name is spelt correctly in the manual, but in game, if you pause. In the pause menu, it's Matuki, so miss out the S. <laughs> <laughs> it should be M I S T U K I. Yes, but uh, no, we they missed out the S in the menu, and I love the fact that no one during playtesting picked up on that. They were like, they didn't even bother about reading. They were like, nah, we're still no, pausing. Yeah, it looks fine. It's absolutely okay. fine. And it's like it's a glaring spelling error that gets you every time you pause the game. <laughs> but in terms of actual gameplay itself, it controls well enough. It takes place in a scientific facility. We've got these sort of face hugger knockoff enemies, which. Um, you work out very quickly, you can just kick them. And it makes it like, like, so much easier. You just, like, just kick them out of the way, fine, we're safe. Yeah, just kick them. <laughs> There's no point using your guns in that game for the most part. You can just kick most things. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's the power of those long legs. Oh, yeah, no, she's been training up for this moment. <laughs> yeah, she's got some manoeuvres. Um, but yeah, so it's a very generic setting. I think that's part of the reason it being a clone kind of thing, like a rest of clones. Like they've done it like the most kind of basic generic setting they can do so they can focus on everything else. Pretty much, yeah. It comes with the territory. Like, and in terms of puzzle elements, um, if, almost if someone heard that Resi games have puzzles, they're like, oh, I get you. So they put in um, a Sudoku puzzle and a crossword puzzle. They got the wrong idea when they I said I think the they got the wrong idea of what puzzles meant. Oh, yes, and remember in that uh, episode... Episode? Remember in that uh, uh, Resident Evil 2 where they stopped to do a word search? <laughs> it's pretty much what happens. There's one bit where you've got to do a crossword puzzle, but you've got to look at the name tags of the dead employees. To fill it, fill it back in. To fill it in, yeah. It's one of those annoying ones where, you, even if you know the solution because it's really easy to work it out... You've got to find the name tag still, otherwise the game won't let you put it in. Even though it's right, the game's like, yeah. no, 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 you need to find them first, I don't trust you. Pretty much, yeah, you got to do this step first. Like, fine. Whatever, but, but, it's fine. Yeah, it, it's, it's also just a classic, you know, like, alien genetic experiments gone wrong, you know, you've got some broken test tubes, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, and I'm... 99% certain the sound effects for the facehuggers dying is the same sound effects used in the game Panzer Dragoon. It's a really similar screech. Mm-hmm. I remember um, another unusual fa- another unusual fact of the day. Unusual fact of the day! You can fix that in post, that's fine. Um, I'm not is... gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Um, is in half, I think it's Half-Life 2, I think it is, with the facehuggers on that. Um, if you reverse the audio of them when you attack them and try and kill them, they're oh, actually they're yeah. actually screaming "Help me," which is really really like dark and I do uh, like that. 
<laughs> no, I'm afraid this game doesn't have any of that. I'll give Chaos Break credit though, it's very entertaining. Yeah. Like, it's not particularly good, but it isn't it does have the entertaining factor. It's one of those and games also... where you can it's one of those games where you can like shoot your brain off and then like just enjoy it as it is. Yeah, especially if you like like PS1 aesthetics. Yeah. Although I never play as um, the second character you can play as, which is Rick. It's like, why do I play as Rick when I play, play as Jill Knockoff? So, like, Rick is a generic um, American military bloke with what, I don't know, he's carrying like a bazooka or something on him. Did they um, manage to spell his name correctly in the menu? They did spell his name correctly. <laughs> that would be it. He's like, you're going for the spelling. <laughs> anyway, so I, I, so I only just found out, if you play as Rick, you start in a different part of the map. Is that like so, a more difficult area or is that like an easier area? I oh, know, it's like you play from a different character perspective. Oh, okay, so the same story plots happen, just from a different perspective. Yeah, which I actually think is quite a neat idea. Like, uh, you know, I, I prove this. I Unfortunately, think... he doesn't have the kicks, he just has a gentle nudge with his bazooka. I think a lot of a lot of games have like, uh, adopted that uh, that thing, where it's like, you play as one character, then the next game that you play, you're playing as a different character's point of view, and they'll see you piece together parts of the story that way. And it's quite an interesting... Um, mechanic. I do like that narrative structure, and it's something yeah. you can only really achieve in games. Absolutely, you couldn't do that in the movie. You couldn't watch like a three-hour movie and then have to watch it again, but that's the time you're watching it from Hans Gruber's perspective. It's like, it doesn't work. <laughs> oh no, exactly. It's a, it's a good thing with like the medium of gaming is you can select a different character, see it from their perspective, and then you can link what happened with this character to that character, which does happen in Resident Evil 2 because you can play as Jill Place Jill, Claire Redfield, get one yeah. of my Resident Evil characters here, and um, uh, Leon. It's Leon. Like, I'm going to forget Babyface Leon. He's adorable. Leon Kennedy, who in Resident Leon Evil Ken- Five somehow has a BDSM suit for some reason. Oh well. One of his uh, special outfits you can unlock. I can't remember how you do it, but you unlock one of his special outfits. Is a BDSM suit for some reason. Everyone um, likes <laughs> a beat of Leon. Uh, apparently so. Yeah. But, <laughs> The reason why I call him Babyface Leon for Resident Evil 2 is because he's like, he's so like sort of cute and fresh and he's like, you know, he's joining the police force and has the world's worst first day. Literally, there's literally Resident no Evil... other worse day than Leon's first day in Resident no. Evil 1. So by Resident Evil 4, he's a little bit more rough and a bit more, you know, sort of experienced. I mean, he's a lot more, good. It's a lot more experienced, a lot more mature. Yeah, I mean, like, um, I think people fancy both versions, and as you said, they gave him a bit of a BDSM outfit, which I can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> they know the audience they were playing for. They knew what well, they wanted. Even uh, I think it's Ashley in Resident Evil Four, um, the you know the notorious sort of like escort mission character. Oh yeah, I know everyone hates her. Yeah. Well, even she wanted a bit of Leon at the end. <laughs> I felt kind of bad for her that she got rejected. It's like it's okay, dear. We all want Leon. Yeah, but you have to earn it, and uh, whining whilst you're being dragged around the level isn't the way to earn that. No, that's that's not going to get you into Leon. No. But if we back on track to what I was going to say about Resident Evil 2, before I went on to Everyone Loves Leon. Mm-hmm. Everybody um, loves Leon. But the people literally fancy the pants of him. <laughs> so on this one, you play as Leon, and this two, you play as Claire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you play the game through both of their perspectives. What's really cool is if you pick up an item as Leon, you won't find that item as Claire, because Leon has picked up the item already. It's a really interesting mechanic, isn't it? It's a really interesting way of. um, It is really cool. Yeah. And it's um, the funny thing is it's on two discs, but the reason why it's on two discs isn't because of actual disc space. It was an accident. Go on. A printing accident. 
So the game could actually fit both characters onto one disc, but I can't remember why it happened exactly, but there was a... I think it's a bit of a communication error that happened somewhere down the line, and they accidentally printed the two campaigns on two different discs. They're <laughs> like, well, we've got to ship this now. I mean, it still kind of works. It's, it's, kind, of like, it's kind of like you bought like a box set, like a DVD box set, but like it's like one disc is Leon's perspective, one disc is... Uh, Claire's perspective, perspective. I think it's a bit of a happy accident. Yeah, it worked out well in the end. I think the game's been relatively successful since then. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't had the chance to play it, but the N64 port apparently is meant to be really impressive. You know, normally the N64 has issues with um, you know sort of FMVs and um, high res cutscenes and things, but apparently it's quite a commendable port. That's really good to know as well because like, the N64 seems to be like obviously it's been years since it was out, but that seems to be quite a a hardy piece of hardware when it comes to like importing other things onto it. Oh, definitely. Although the N C four itself, it's like I swear I can dro- drop a TV on that thing and it still works. It's like a Nokia thirty two ten. It's like literally impossible yes. to break it. It's good. It's got good lifespan on that bit of hardware. Yeah. I'll go on to my next sort of like um, Resi clone I own. So Woo. Deep Fear. <laughs> Woo, yes, <laughs> everyone loves Deep Fear because everyone knows about it, not just me. <laughs> But for the uninitiated, for the uninitiated, how about you give us a summary of a deep fear? Okay, so for all, um, aside from the free people who know what the game is, <laughs> uh, deep fear is a Sega Saturn game that was only released in again PAL and Japanese territories. So I don't know why there's this strange thing of releasing horror games in PAL and Japan territories, but okay. I think that might be like a bigger audience there. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there's a bigger audience for horror and power regions, but anyway, so Deep Fear is, uh, to my knowledge, I think it was actually the last Sega Saturn game released over in power regions, so yeah. it is very rare. Um, once again, Deep Fear is another Resident Evil clone, but it's actually a really decent Resi- um, Resident Evil clone. It's um, got sort of like good action, decent problem solving, you know, good puzzles, it's a multiple disc game. Uh, the story is quite decent, but it's... Uh, <laughs> Its acting is at Resident Evil 1 level. So very amusing. <laughs> I can't take the story seriously because it's just like... The act, like the main character's acting is really stilted. It's like, it's oh like, no, a zombie. <laughs> pretty much. I think it's like an alien virus type scenario. But it, 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 so the setting of Deep Fear is it's like in an underwater base. Hence the deep part of it. Yeah, it's literally Deep Fear. Oh. Uh... I see what you did there. Woo! <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 title is quite literal, but yeah, it's an underwater base. Um, I think the civilians there for some reason, but um, anyway, you got your main character who's come down with a cold, which is actually surprisingly an important plot element later. Right. Okay. It does come into it. It's some. I think it's. I'm trying to think. I think a submarine or something crashes. Um, yeah, there's like an initiator or something to investigate. Yeah. So main character goes over, investigates, and then ooh, big weird mutated person monster thingy. Oh my god! The... <laughs> what a surprise! Well, yeah. It's what not just a normal shrek- shipwreck. <laughs> no, of course not. And it's like this weird alien virus thing that gets into people and mutates them, and then that manages to get aboard like the main underwater facility. And it basically becomes like the thing, but underwater. Like everyone's like getting infected yeah, and stuff. Infects people. It's like a virus. Yeah. It's, it's basically a zombie virus, but with, like, alien theme, I guess, instead. Hmm. Also, the, the green women uh, monster people have really nice buns. It was the first thing I noticed. 
So, like, they're attacking you, mm. but they've got lovely bottoms. <laughs> so, it's for like, anyone who's seeking out deep fear, do make sure to look out for that nice detail. Then I, it's like, if she wasn't trying to kill me... She's trying to kill been... you in other ways. <laughs> With her nice anyway, bottom. Yeah, unfortunately, you do have to shoot them, because they are trying to murder you. It's a shame. It is a shame. But, yeah, it becomes them trying to, like, figure out why, you know, what's happened, why has this happened. Yeah, you've got the monster issues, but I think there's also an issue with the oxygen. It's one of the main gameplay mm. mechanics is you've also got an oxygen meter to keep an eye on. And, it makes um, sense. If you're underwater, that's an interesting mechanic to have as well. It obviously instill a lot of dread in players as well, trying to make it sure does. that's filled. And there's certain areas which will have low oxygen, and some areas where you can repair the oxygen, but some areas where you can't repair it at stations. Mm. Uh, but it's just like an extra thing to keep an eye on. Just an um, extra like plate to juggle as well while she's getting through that uh, campaign. Pretty much. I say it's more action-oriented than Resident Evil, because your guns don't run out of ammo effectively, because you can go to a retrial station. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You... So you don't have to be too concerned with uh, inventory management. I mean, you still have an inventory screen, but your inventory is more focused on making sure you've got enough oxygen grenades, because that's how that works. Yes. You literally throw a grenade and it's got oxygen in it, apparently. It's like, yeah, fine. He's <laughs> like, I'm going to blow you up with air! <laughs> oh no, it, it just puts more oxygen in the air if you're running low. Oh, okay, so it's not an offensive mission. It's not an offensive thing. It's, weapon, a, it's um, an offensive me- weapon. Yeah, it, it keeps um, oxygen afloat if needed. So you're only really concerned with conserving like oxygen grenades and health items and pickups for um, some problem solving, but it's mostly just... Um, more of an action orientated game. I do like the cutscenes though, because as I said, the, the acting is so bad in them and quite awkward, but it's <laughs> really charmingly awkward. Um, I love the the first FMV cutscene when, like, not, sorry, not the first cutscene, but the, the first time you come across one of the mutated people. Because, like, you know, it, it, it cuts to this FMV of, like, the guy changing and turning into this big monstrous thing. Yeah. And uh, the character you're travelling with just sort of awkwardly shuffles out of its way. <laughs> It's less like, oh no, that person's like changing to a big monster. It's more like, ooh, awkward, I'm going to have to shove it <laughs> It's like, oh, I'm going to have to have another territory here. I'm just going to move over here. Yeah, there you go. You can go chase them now. That's fine. <laughs> then you can go chase them. He's like, oh, it's a monster. <laughs> just a little and bit out of my char- paycheck. <laughs> yeah, the main character's no better, I said. His, his acting is like, he's, uh, he's talking about this woman at the beginning. He's like, Della. It's like, Yes, um, not face stellar voice acting. No, 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 it doesn't sound like it would be. <laughs> just, the way he says Stella is just so beautifully stilted. And of course, my favourite character, the guy in the purple shirt, who's clearly meant to be a camp. But I'm guessing they go overboard with it. <laughs> oh, totally. You talk to him, he's like, Oh, what am I going to do? Oh! He begs the side for choice! <laughs> It's so, like, I love you, purple shirt man. So they've gone for the flamboyant, um, queer-coded character with an Irish accent that sounds like a leprechaun. Pretty much. <laughs> that's lovely. That's great. That's great. That's great. I love that. It's worth checking out. If you want a good laugh, deep fear. <laughs> um, I'll definitely unfor- check Unfortunately, though, for people who would like to play deep fear for yourselves, um, your only option really is to either spend an awful lot of money on a power copy. Yes. Or opt to get a Japanese version, which is, um, it is currently going up in price, because I think other people have cottoned on to this. Uh, the Japanese yeah. version is totally playable. 
Even if you don't speak Japanese. I'm pretty sure there'll be like subtitles and stuff like that on it. Oh no, it's just the all the acting is in English. Um, the subtitles are Japanese. Oh, okay, fair enough then. Um, the only thing you've got to work out is um, the Japanese text for yes and no. And there's like a few puzzles I had to look up online, but I wasn't sure if it's just me not getting the puzzles. Because um, <laughs> otherwise all item pickups um, show you a picture. So you can kind of like, through trial and error, work out what you need to do relatively easily. Yeah. Um, other- otherwise, I guess there's always emulation, but um, for anyone who's done- tried to take certain emulation, that is not an easy task. Any kind of emulation, em- emulated game or emulation is difficult. It's not like an easy process. Oh no, trust me, Sega Saturn emulation. <laughs> oh no, the Sega Saturn, it's just like, that's a headache to emulate. Or at least at like, the time I tried it, it's just like, ugh. Is it just because it's like dead hardware and like, there's no one around that still works on it to tell you like what you need to do, that sort of thing? It was also notoriously difficult to program for at the time. Oh, right, okay, so they're already shooting themselves in the foot before they even started making games for it, that sort of thing. Pretty much. It's, uh, yeah. So it's like, I'm not going to turn this into the Sega Saturn emulation podcast. Have a <laughs> headache with Hannah. Da da da! Anyways. Um, yeah, I was going to say. Um, sorry, go on. I was going to say, so that's sort of like. Um, uh, some of my more obscure games, I probably will think of others in a minute because um, I thought of one just now. <laughs> I've only tr- tried this out the other day, but I played a game, again, uh, Common Trend here, only released in Pound Japan. <laughs> you have a niche, uh, it's fine. <laughs> I have a bit of a niche here. It's so fine. I played another PS game, uh, PS1 game called Hell Knight. It's a very um, strong name. Good strong name, I didn't get very far in it. It's like a first-person, um, slight point-and-click elements, bit of adventure elements to it. It's that kind of like first-person game that I would say is more familiar with old PC games. You know when you can't look up and down, you can just go forward, basically? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like the character doesn't even have arms, really. It feels like you're moving the camera. You just kind of move the camera around the player to make sure obviously he doesn't hit any ad- obstacles or hazards. Pretty much, and it's um, at least the first level. Again, I didn't really get very far on this one. It's like set in a sewer. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just like tried out the other night. You're in a sewer. You're with another character. I think her name was Naomi, and she's sort of like you can click for like advice from like your secondary character. She's like, "We're in a sewer, aren't we?" And like, "Yes, Naomi, I know. I'm just trying out the buttons. <laughs> I'm trying to work out which one picks up items." Shut up. But can you just not right now? Can you just not? <laughs> yes, I'm well aware though in the sewer. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so you're in the sewer, you're trying to travel around this maze, there's a mutated monster. I think it's only one enemy type. Of course, the first thing I do is try to walk around the monster. Of uh, course. Apparently, this monster has a massive force field around it, because as soon as I tried that, it just killed Naomi straight away. You just can't be really polite about it. It's like, oh, excuse me. Pardon me, uh, yeah. excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. Oh, I'm dead. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> no, I killed Naomi. I was like, oh no, not Naomi. <laughs> I I need for two minutes before I got you killed immediately. I have a Sorry feeling that this that. was done intentionally. <laughs> and it's one of those, I think the mechanic for the game is you have like a partner character. If you come across the monster, they'll get killed first. Then if you don't have a partner character, you'll get killed. Oh, right, yeah, okay. So I guess it's interesting enough, but as I said, I just kind of like, um, I don't I think I got a little bit impatient wandering around the same sewer um, hallway for um, minutes on end, wondering where on earth I was meant to be going. That's an issue I have with most stealthy games or levels, is that I get bored easily. 
So if I'm stealthing around a level and then one guard sees me, I'm like, fuck it, now it's going to be all out uh, warfare because I like, I just, I don't want to start from the beginning again and go through the whole thing because it's just slow and repetitive. And you know, I know people love stealth games like that, but sometimes I'm just like, I just want to get into the game. I'm not sure. I wouldn't say it's even a stealth game. It's more just, um, I don't know. I, I suppose it's stealth in the sense you want to like not go anywhere near the monster. You meant to sort of like back up from it, then go and do your problem solving. It's kind of like you have to hit it and run away, then hit it and run away, hit it and run away. Oh no, you can't there. even hit it. Oh, can you not? Oh, okay. No, you can, you can do bugger all to this monster. It's just there, so he's, you can try to go around what's clearly a gap. Yes. Uh, nope, you can't even go around the gap. you just got to like back up, go around the corner, mm-hmm. work out which door you're meant to go through. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my current review of Hell Knight. Extremely rare game that I admittedly got a bit bored. There's probably more to it than that. Yeah, yeah but I think I get it when you get the difficulty spike. It's just like, and now I'm not having fun anymore. I'm just gonna stop. I just felt sorry for Naomi because, as I said, <laughs> she was. I think I knew her for exactly two minutes. And uh, the monster knew her for a little bit longer until she died. <laughs> yes, I think the monster had more of a relationship with Naomi than I did. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Um, what are you gonna say? I was going to say, like, moving on to, like, horror games of more modern times, because um, I've kind of, like, oh, run yeah, out of there, games. Oh, yeah, there are modern I've... games still. There are a little bit. <laughs> Obviously, I know we normally go into, them. like, I know we normally have to go into, like, retro games on this, on this podcast, but, like, thinking more, like, into modern kind of things, that's where I've started playing more horror games as I've gotten older. Um, one of the games that I remember fondly, it's still, it's still around at the moment, but the servers have been switched off, so it's all local servers, uh-huh. which is a bit shit. Is they did a um, 1v, I think 1v8 um, multiplayer game which had the licensing from Friday the 13th. Oh, yes, I know about this one. I played this game so much. Like, I've not watched the films, but I played the game so much because I loved it so much. Like, I didn't. When I'm only playing one of those games, it was like one versus a lot of other people. I was like, I much prefer being the survivor than the killer. But in Friday the 13th, I could play either, and I felt just as powerful either way. Um, but I remember playing them with my friends, and it was like so f-ing entertaining. Because um, the, the main premise of that game is that one person plays Jason, or a version of Jason from one of the movies, and then the rest of you play counsellors, and you're, if you're a counsellor, your role is to basically survive until either the police gets called, um, or you can escape in a car, or in a boat, um, or I think Daylight Comes, I think, is like the last one, if you don't do any of the things. And as Jason, you have to kill everyone. Your your role is your your role to win is to kill everybody. And it's so cathartic when you're playing Jason and you can kill all your friends off. And it's kill like, the teens. <laughs> you can kill the teens in more and more hilarious ways. Um, and in just Survivor, it's so tense and you're like, I've got the gas, I need the keys, where are the keys? I can't find the keys with the gas. Um, and it's just so stressful, but it's so funny at the same time playing with your friends. You get to find out who is the who is the one that's like not to be trusted because they're being too quiet and reserved, and who is the one that's actually um, actually trustworthy uh, in terms of like playing the game. It's really really good. I really enjoy it, and I'm, I'm just it sucks that they turned the servers off because when the servers were on, like it was so good. I think it was, but no, it wasn't the license. I think it was just that oh. well, not enough people played it. Um, really? They just turned the servers off. They're just local servers now. It's That's not, a shame. I, I did it. want to play that one, but I never got a chance to because it's um, it does have a lot of references to the actual movies. 
Yeah, it's it's dripping in references to all the movies. It's got all this all the locations from every single movie. It's got all the Jasons from pretty much every single movie. Um, they get unlocked even the not good ones progressively. Yeah, even the not good ones. They get unlocked progressively as well. And there is a way of killing Jason as well, but it's a very, very complicated process. I think we only managed to do it because everybody in that server knew each other, so we could actually plan it. But if you were playing it with randoms, you couldn't do it. I don't think you could ever kill Jason with playing with randoms. It wouldn't OP. Yeah. Um, but that kind of adds to it. It adds kind of a specialness of it. But yeah, and they add little mechanics into that game, like where if you're escaping in the car and a counsellor is in your way, you run them over, you kill the counsellor. And it's hilarious in a morbid kind of way. Um, That's okay, I get you. I mean, that's kind of the the point of watching those movies is they're kind of, um, I guess they are cathartic in the sense of like you're just watching teens get killed in fun, dark ways. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's that cheesy kind of B-movie horror movie kind of thing, isn't it? You don't take it seriously. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can Uh, see how that translates well. Well, the thing that more modern examples is that I, well, I do specialise obviously in retro. I do play like, I don't know, it's just some modern games. I do occasionally pick them up. Mm-hmm. I delve into the present. I've dipped my toe into the seventh generation of consoles, and I dip my toe back out again. <laughs> yes. I sometimes play things that, you know, have come out recently. But, mm-hmm. um, anyway, Alien Isolation. I've heard this a... game, yes. Oh, don't tell me you haven't played it. Uh, my husband's played it, so it has been in my possession. Okay, well that's close enough. Yeah, I know no, what you Alien... mean. Alien Isolation is a really good horror game. It's like, I think it's probably the most faithful Alien adaptation. I've heard that a lot from people who have played it. It's very kind of faithful to the movies. I think because of what happened beforehand, the installment before that game being so I think people were surprised. Don't talk about it. I'm not even going to mention its name. But um, I think people were surprised that this game was good. I think they were expecting it to fail. And the fact that it was a actually really, really good, really tense and really gripping story and game, I think it's it's contributed to its popularity. Well, no, it's also like, because the Xenomorph is a naturally like scary looking monster. You want to hide from that thing. It's one of the yeah. best assigned um, like fictional creatures, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, definitely so, agree. And its AI is programmed really well. You know, you can't use the same tactics to get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you can't just keep hiding under a table because the AI will eventually figure out, like, well, you know, you've been under that table several times now, I'm going to kill you. The AI is smart where it learns where you would normally be. It learns your playing habits. Yeah. And I think it can even get you while you're trying to save. So you're not even safe saving. Oh, God, no, I would hate that. I would absolutely hate that. That would just send me into a complex of, like, oh, my God, I can't even save. Pretty much, yeah. So it's it's got that nice level of intensity then. um, Because the game... I was going to say spoilers, but I suppose the game's kind of old. not old, but it's been out for a few if years by now. If you don't want to hear spoilers, just put your fingers in your ears for the next couple of minutes. Okay, yeah, so you start off with, like, you think there's just the one xenomorph. Yes. And then later you come across a nest and you're like, oh. This is never going to end for me, this is a living nightmare. <laughs> there's more than one xenomorph. Oh, so, like, The creature you've been, like, struggling to deal with throughout this game, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> um, there's also androids as well which um, try to shoot at you and other people your enemies but uh, the xenomorph is definitely the thing that steals the show yeah yeah like that's all kind of like background flavor the alien is the main thing in that game definitely and it's um it's such a natural adaptation for a video game yeah it works so well it's so beautifully like done that game 
It makes me surprised it isn't a Predator game that's a bit like it. You know, being like, you know, just yeah. versus the AI. I mean, have you watched the newest Predator movie that came out recently? I have not. It's called Prey, and it's really, really good. You know how they normally bring out a Predator movie, and, it, and people start going, hey, it's not great, just another yeah. sequel, stuff like that. Prey is really, really good. I'll say this is a side note. Prey is really, really good. Welcome to of... movie suggestions. Hi. Um, yeah, so it's really, really good, and I'm surprised that there haven't been, like you said, more video games based on Predator. I feel like that would be a really good one as well. Like It would be kind of like the same format as a Friday the 13th, or like a one versus many, like... It would really game. fit that uh, Friday the 13th thing, thinking about it. Definitely, yeah. Like, I feel like I'm actually of... surprised that hasn't happened. I am too, because like I said, it lends itself so beautifully to that format, and it would be very, very popular, I assume. And yeah. even, like, settings you can have for it, like, you know, because obviously you've got the classic jungle setting from the first film. Yeah. But you yeah. could go for the second film setting as well, like the city. Go for the, the prey setting, which is, like, Native American, pre-American Revolution kind of... Any uh, game designers with the license... Do anything. Feel free to make it. Feel free. Because, <laughs> yeah. If, well, if you're listening, game designers, you have waiting, the license. We're waiting for our Predator game, please. Yep. We, we need this. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's sort of like going on to games that actually exist. Yeah. Until Dawn. Until Dawn is a very popular horror game, and I have played Until Dawn. Um, Yay, played it! <laughs> um, I'm worried that I'm going to have to go to your house and tie you down and force you to experience horror <laughs> games. I said this when we were going into this uh, podcast, I was like, I think we should do a horror game. And I was like, I'll be war- I'll warn you now, I haven't played that many. <laughs> I know you said this be Hannah centric, but it's like. Mm. Beer, we need to get you into some horror. I mean, <laughs> the fact you haven't played mainly horror games means you probably haven't watched many horror movies. Uh, true. Um, I think I've, I've seen Paranormal Activity, I've seen um, Cloverfield, I've seen uh, Saw 2, um, I've seen uh, one of the Final Destination movies, can't remember which one, the roller coaster one. Um, I have seen bits and bobs of different horror movies, but I wouldn't say I was a horror movie fan, I don't seek them out. Okay, well I'm going to come to your house and tie you down and we're going to be watching some films. I'm going to have matchsticks in my eyelids as well, keeping them open. Yes. <laughs> we're going to repeat a clockwork orange here. <laughs> Just get me into the mood. <laughs> because um, you need to have some experience. <laughs> you need to get scared. <laughs> yes, I mean, have you at least watched Halloween? No. Ugh. <laughs> the big hitters, obviously, I have heard of and I've seen clips from. Um, I... Audience can't see me, but I'm currently just shaking my head in shame. I'm a huge horror fan. She's shaking her head and glip, gripping the laptop like, How could you be this in the clo- not in the closet? How could you be this under the rock? <laughs> You're not in the closet now, dear. <laughs> I'm a couple of years too late for that, to be honest. <laughs> How could you be this, like, um, under the rock where you haven't seen all these classics and all of that? And like, oh, well, yeah, that- I, I, you're talking to someone who's like such a big fan. It's like I'm a huge fan of Italian horror. Mm-hmm. I don't understand if you're like I haven't seen Suspiria or Demons because no. like yeah, that's a bit more obscure. My husband and I've been with my husband for about eight years now. He loves horror movies and he's heartbroken with the fact that I'll never watch one with him. <laughs> well, okay, I, I said we need to get on that. You know, <laughs> I think horror I, movies I, are different. I, like with video games, horror games. You can turn them off. You, you're in control. You can turn it off, or you can pause it, um, or you can complete the game. With a horror movie, you don't have the control. Yeah, but you're a bystander. I know I'm a bystander, but it still it plays on your uh, emotions and plays on your kind of psychological. It's like it plays on you psychologically. So like I fill in all the gaps. Like if it isn't showing you on camera, but you can hear it, 
high emotion, that sort of thing, and it makes it worse for me, kind of thing. I mean, that's just me, anyway. Um, yeah, I have the opposite problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm fine being the bystander watching horror films, but playing a horror game, I'm a bit more like, oh no, I'm in control. I get what you mean. Like, I can get your point of view of it. I can get my point of view of it. It's like kind of like yeah, I, I do level of control, really. that sort of thing. Yeah, I know. I know you're driving. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know where you live anyway. So. <laughs> and I will you're not safe tell for you. Now. <laughs> I'm just going to come in one stormy night. Like, da, 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 da. We'll have that shot where you look out the window, you see a figure outside, and then suddenly, like, you look back and the figure's gone. And they turn around and it's right behind you. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> and I'm just there with a collection of Blu-rays. <laughs> <laughs> with that sharp sort of sting sound effect. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun. <laughs> hey, you want to watch uh, The Ring? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've also watched The Ring. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not the, the pinnacle horror movie. I get it. But like, it's a horror movie. It counts. But anyway... <laughs> the horror games because I went on to Until Dawn like, yes go on back to Until Dawn which I have um, played go ahead <laughs> rewind to where I was so Until Dawn is I suppose the reason why I went to movies because Until Dawn really follows that format very well it's a very kind of like it's very much like a slasher movie but you're playing every character in the slasher yeah, movie and of course that's the whole permadeath thing of course yeah like you mentioned earlier on character yeah, dies it's, it's gone for the rest of the story which I actually don't mind in this one, because it does act the, you know, act? No, sorry, uh, add to the intensity. It does, yes. So I quite like that aspect. It's also really fun to play with friends, because it's, as I said, it's just an interactive horror movie. We've got, like, Wendigos, which are really creepy folklore, sort of like, I think they're Native American folklore. I think you're right, yeah. I think the ones in the game are supposed to be kind of like Native American, or based on Native American Wendigos, yeah. Yeah, because... There are essentially like creatures and monsters that happen if you like give in to cannibalism. Yeah, that's They're like... quite terrifying anyway. Oh yeah, definitely. But, yeah, oh, yeah, it's so good to play with friends. Um, what's really frustrating though is we did really well. We kept everyone alive, but this is one bit where you got to keep the controller still. Yeah. Stop the character from moving. And no matter how still we kept that bloody controller, she still got killed. And it's like right at the end. We there is everyone there... else. I think I know what you mean by that moment. There is a moment. Because um, I played with friends as well, and we all took a car- we all uh, picked a character basically to play as. And there is a moment where uh, one of my friends it does that classic video game thing of like you hear a noise in the distance, do you investigate it? So as he does that usual video game thing, he's like I'm going to investigate the noise and break away from the party. So if you break away from the party and investigate the noise, you eventually come to a hatch, which is like vibrating because there's something underneath trying to get out. And then there's an option of like investigate or leave. And you've come this far, so you might as well investigate. And uh, without spoiling too much of the game for people, because it is still quite a racing game, if you do one of those options, you die instantly. Or your character dies instantly, and it's horrific. Um, Hilarious, but also horrific. But yeah, so I completely understand. And we were doing it so well, like you said, we had like most of the... I think we had every single member was alive that needed to be alive in the, in the story. Up until that point, it was right at the very end, and we're like, oh, for f***'s sake, it's like we almost had a clean, clean path. But it's so frustrating. It is. It's like, so hard. <laughs> it's like, fine, we won't keep everyone alive then. <laughs> fine, we'll just deal with the people that are alive then. And it's not like, it's one of those it's characters cool. as well, it's like, character doesn't deserve it as well. Like, if it's one of the characters, or one of those characters that's being an arsehole, then yeah, sure, kill them off. But it's one of the characters that isn't one of those characters and has actually been helping out the plot. It just feels a little bit like, oh, come on. 
Oh, it's frustrating when it's someone you like as well. It's like in um, The Quarry, which is like this spiritual Spiritual se- sequel, yeah. Sequel, yeah, to Until Dawn. Um, I that, really don't like, like... It's Until Dawn, Man of Medan, and then it's The Quarry, I think, isn't it? Oh, um, House of Ashes as well. Oh, and that too, yeah, yeah. Also House of Ash. That's one or the other. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so The Quarry... I don't like the character Emma. Like, she's just a... Mm-hmm. She's just being a, a terrible person for no reason. Pretty much, and I don't feel it's ever really uh, addressed in a way that I'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't find her sympathetic. Like, you know, she's a character. I don't really like, oh no, she died. Like, oh Such no, whoops. <laughs> My finger slipped, now she's dead. <laughs> Whoops-a-doodle. What a shame, let's move on. But I do, I do really like the sort of, like, interactive um, games. I suppose it... Actually, sort of like to round off this um, episode in general, like mm. thinking about like compared like modern horror to classic horror. I think both of them do have the good points and the bad points. Absolutely, I completely agree with that. Yes, they all have their kind of like benefits and their weaknesses and stuff like that. Yeah, I think the element of choice is a, a very like strong one with the modern uh, horror games. That you've got a lot more choice into like how you want to approach a certain situation or how you want to. Ensure a character survives the situation or doesn't survive the situation. Um, whereas back in the day, in retro thing, it's more kind of linear. You're kind of like there for the story rather than trying to make your own kind of mark on it. Yeah, it's like there's definitely more sort of cinematic options with modern horror games, and you've got more, yeah. as I said, like more control over how the story progresses. Yeah. But yeah. with retro games, as I said, I, I do like the low poly look about them. There's definitely a horror element to not being able to. You know, um, I don't think what the correct word is now. Know what the enemy is in a sense, because you know, low, low poly graphics sometimes it's just like a bunch of shapes, and you know, I'm not actually sure what I'm even fighting against. If it was like, oh, it's a werewolf, or oh, it's a witch, something like, like you have an image in your head already of what that would look like. Whereas if it's a low poly image of a it's monster, kind of fake. yeah, it's kind of like I don't know what to expect, so therefore it makes it scarier. Tell you what, actually, it really reminds me of those um, dreams you have where you're being chased by something. You can't quite see what you're being chased by. You just that know that you're, like, you're in that like, long corridor and just can't get to the end, but you don't know what you're yeah. being chased by. Yeah. It's that kind of like vague shape that resembles something you're afraid of, but you can't can't quite see what it is, and it's that fear of the unknown. Oh yeah, definitely. That's the worst fear ever, is it? Not so much like anything, like physical fear, like the fear of the unknown is the worst thing, because it's the unknown, you don't know what's going to come out of it. Yeah, and I said, like, um, again, like low-poly games, um, the draw distance is normally really bad, so you can't see that far ahead of you anyway, so I think it has a certain dream, nightmarish sort of surrealty to it that you don't quite get with modern games. Yeah, I kind of get that, yeah, I get what you're getting with that one, yeah. Um, well, at least that's just my view of it, as I said, it... You know, both do have their merits. I mean, of course, there's probably going to be some outliers that are completely uh, contrary to the, the summarisation that we've made. But I think, in general, I think it's quite, I think it's quite true that older games are more kind of like you're there for the story, whereas newer games are more like there's a lot more choice. It's more cinematic, and it's more kind of like you can make your mark on the story rather than they're doing it. They're you're just trying to survive the story, basically. Yeah, I think that's a good way to sort of think of it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, dust concludes our more sort of like horror spookier episode. Well, the most terrifying thing is me doing the woo sounds because it's not scary. <laughs> so, as the uh, other vaguely horror descriptive words, uh, spooky spooky skeletons are coming uh, out of the grave. Approaching. Yeah, uh, I have a black cat. She's um, she does a spooky thing. My dog is called Ghost. That's all I've got for you. <laughs> there we are. I hope you enjoyed this um, horror-themed episode. 
And if you've got any suggestions about like other horror games we missed or how could we forget about this, then please do let us know. Oh yeah, do feel free to tell us. But until next time, this has been the Small Button Podcast. Do join us for next episode. Please do. Uh, I've been Finn. I've been Hannah. Tra. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>